It's a lovely reading this morning. It's Luke 7, starting at uh, verse 36. Jesus anointed by a sinful woman. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he cancelled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. And Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Could two people be more different? After all, he is looked up to and she's looked down upon. He's a church leader. She's a street walker. Now he makes a living promoting standards. She's made a living breaking them. He's hosting the party. She's crashing it. Ask all the other residents in the town and to point out the most pious of the two, and they'd certainly pick Simon. After all, he's a student of theology, a man of the cloth. Anyone would pick Simon. Anyone, that is, except Jesus. Jesus commends the woman. And what's more, he tells Simon why. What we discover here in this particular story is that Jesus looks much deeper than outward of impacts. He knows the secrets of the heart and of the mind. What we need to remind ourselves in this story is that when Simon the Pharisee decided to invite Jesus to his home, he didn't do so because he wanted to honour Jesus. It's plainly obvious from the conversation of Jesus afterwards that Simon the Pharisee invited him there because he knew that Jesus was popular, because in fact Jesus had a reputation and he thought to himself by inviting someone to his home 
who had a good reputation, it would up his status. And he didn't do any of the customary welcomes to Jesus at all. No kiss of greeting, no washing of his feet, no oil for his head. He treated him as a nobody. And yet this woman, she was extravagant in her welcome, in her embrace to Jesus. Now, we don't know why she decided to put herself at risk. It's often been said that um, it was likely that she was a, a prostitute and that, uh, if you know, she had a bad reputation and the town would have known it, would have scorned at her. Can you imagine the shock when she walked in to that party uninvited and unannounced? And the anger and the annoyance that Simon the Pharisee was feeling that someone like her would dare enter that place. And yet he was even more annoyed when he discovered that when she went to welcome Jesus, Jesus was willing to allow her to touch his feet to wash him. And he thought to himself, how can Jesus be a prophet and not recognize who this person is? As I say, scripture doesn't tell us why this lady chose to go there and put herself at risk and know that people were going to frown upon her and talk about her. Perhaps she had heard Jesus preaching in the street when he declared, your father is merciful. Perhaps she was there when Jesus showed compassion to the widow of Nan. Perhaps she was there and heard about Jesus touching lepers and inviting tax collectors and sitting down and eating with them. Well, we don't know, but we do know this, that she came thirsty, thirsty from guilt, thirsty from regret, thirsty from countless nights making love and finding none. She came thirsty. And when Jesus offered her the goblet of grace, she drinks and she drinks deeply. Now, Simon, on the other hand, doesn't even realize that he's thirsty, that he has a need. People like Simon don't accept grace. They analyze it. They don't request mercy. They want to debate it. It wasn't that Simon couldn't be forgiven. He just never thought to ask to be. So why she drinks up, he puffs up. Now, why do you think it was that this woman had so much love to give? Why Simon has no love to offer? I think the clue is found in one of those verses, uh, the 747 principle. Look at Luke 7:47. It'll, if you grasp it and understand it, you'll take off and reach new heights in your relationship with God. A person who is forgiven little shows only little love. But a person who's been forgiven lots loves lots. In other words, what we discover is that we cannot give what we have never received. It'd be like trying to write a check without putting a deposit into your account. The reality is, and I think sometimes we forget this, 
even in the church, when we talk to people and tell them that they've got to go and love everyone else, we need to remind ourselves that it starts by acknowledging that we are loved by God. Isn't that what we hear in the epistle of John, 1 John 4, 19? We love because God first loved us. And if we want to learn to be more loving, more patient, more kind, then we've got to call upon the name of the Saviour. We need to receive it, soak it up, recognise all that God has for each and every one of us. Ephesians 5 says, be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children, live a life of love, just as Christ loved us. And if we're going to learn to be more forgiving and tolerant of others, we need to remind ourselves from Ephesians 4, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Can you see the wonderful gift that is available to each and every one of us? We need to personally acknowledge that we need a saviour, that we need to experience the forgiveness of God. We've got to allow that forgiveness of God to well up, to take control of our lives so that we might truly discover what it means to be loved so that we are able to love. I think this is a wonderful story because it reminds us time and time again that God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son that so who forever seeks his face and believes in him shall be forgiven, have eternal life. You see, God's will is for each and every one of us is to be healed, restored, renewed, transformed so that we can then go as transformed people into the world and use that transforming grace and love that God's deposited within us so that we can share it with a broken world. This, I believe, is God's will for each and every one of us. And so I pray that as we travel through this holy season of Lent, we might remember all that God has done for us, that it is personal, that Jesus Christ died for you and died for me so that we might be forgiven. Ask and it will be forgiven, he says. Seek and you will find. Ask for that gift of forgiveness. Remember that we are dependent upon the salvation, the redemption that God offers. And when you discover it, that's when you'll discover that you have the power, the inspiration, that you're sparked with that energy of wanting to go and be God's people. I pray for each and every one of us that as we travel through this holy season of Lent, as we remind ourselves of the glorious Easter story and that wonderful resurrection, that we'll realise that it was for us and that we'll claim it and then live it to his glory and to his honour. Amen.